Hi everybody, welcome to 2ZQ Hot Takes, where we discuss issues both big and small. I am your host, the very handsome Tim Kirk, and today I'll be talking about pets. Puppies, kitties, birds, fish, and animals kept as showpieces or oddities. Illegal ownership of animals and the lengths some people go to in order to purchase and house rare, dangerous animals. I knew someone who was a rare and illegal animal collector. He supposedly did so to foster his son's interest in science. Well, his son did become a very successful doctor, and he succeeded in that regard. But he bought all of the illegal animals from one guy who had access. I don't know who, what, when, where, why, or how, and I never really wanted to know. However, in this collector's house was a basement menagerie with lionfish, caimans, which are small crocodilians that should not be kept as pets, and they had the giant Woolworths, I don't know if you remember Woolworths, Woolworths type of goldfish tank stocked with many, many goldfish to feed the other predators. It was an amazing sight to behold and somewhat disturbing to see. And as soon as you stepped foot in there, you could hear the hum of the electric pumps and the scent of the animals, as well as feel the humidity from the extra water in the air down there. Just a quick note, lionfish are not illegal species, but they are invasive species and they must be handled carefully. Now, growing up, I knew someone who was an amateur herpetologist as a kid and teen, and he kept snakes. He had them in aquariums with big screen tops and bricks on top of the screens to prevent the snakes from coiling up, using their strength to lift the screen and slither out. Sometimes he had more than one brick, depending on the size of the snakes. And that was much more well-managed and low-key, and albeit at first slightly jarring to see a room with multiple aquariums housing snakes, but he knew how to handle them. I knew other people that I found to be a bit on the unstable side who hunted illegal snakes on weekends and sold them to the same guy who sold the people I knew who had the lionfish and the caimans. These guys' weird sides were on display. They told me that they would drive down to Texas or elsewhere in the South and hunted these snakes, caught them, and put them in sacks they could not escape from and just casually tossed them in the trunk of their car. Then they would drive back, sell them to the collector's seller, and take their blood money. It was something they did, but did not come up in conversation with mixed company and not anything you could speak of with bragging rights lest you wanted to get the side eye. A bunch of strange guys driving around other states to capture deadly snakes for under-the-counter cash. A real conversation starter. Intellectual curiosity aside, the expense, knowledge, and conditions needed to care for these rare illegal animals can be staggering, and it is not exactly reflective of how we love our pets in America. These were wild animals that were illegally captured, sold, and housed in suburban tract homes. The unstable person's house where the caught snakes were kept was, and I mean it really was, a horror show of everything, and I'm not kidding, from broken, jagged glass and broken, jagged metal haphazardly strewn inside the kitchen 
which still disturbs me, as the house was not the epitome of hygiene. The stairs leading up to the bedroom dormer of the, I guess, lead snake hunter had holes punched in them by his cohorts, who were even less stable and more unreliable than he was. The door to a walk-in closet with a window was open, and I saw row after row of aquariums that if this death trap of a filthy house was ever in a perilous situation or someone needed rescue from a fire, the consequences of volunteer firefighters and EMTs who had to rush in during an emergency would quite possibly prove fatal to at least some. The other people with the rare exotic illegal animals were much cleaner, more clinical, and took care of the animals. However, the systems and processes needed to keep them alive and healthy were complicated. There were rows of aquariums side by side on tiers with each animal or fish requiring specific care, water, temperature, salinity, etc., and the equipment needed constant maintenance. A very high level of commitment required there. And a bit off-putting because now you have seen the illegal dangerous menagerie and it isn't like playing with a basket full of puppies or kittens. And it makes for awkward conversation if you aren't exactly a big fan of illegal, dangerous, rare, aquatic, and reptilian life, especially those lives that are cooped up in a basement, especially in your neighborhood. So, uh, how about those nets, huh? Yeah? Well, uh, I'm going to have to go be back on track, and um, I have a, a load of chores to do today, so um, you're looking for the exit, and then you realize, damn, your ride is still there, enthralled, and not motivated to leave just yet. Okay, you're stuck here now. Moving on. I once met Coco the goat in the West Village. I also shot a video of her. It seems that Coco was a bit of a celebrity. Her owner learned that owning a goat in the village was not illegal. She was friendly. People loved to see her as she walked by outdoor cafes and just hanging outside of her building. She was a very pretty girl. Not sure I would want to care for a goat in the West Village, but at least she was loved and cared for. Now, to puppies and kitties. I love them. I am a cat person who loves dogs. I always try to say hello to the pup pups when I go out because they are such good doggies. I ask them if they are good doggies or if they are a good pup pup. They are. I always ask kitties, what are you doing? What? What? And then I purr at them. Because that's good kitties. There is a florist in my neighborhood, and when they reopened after the lockdown, not that long ago, I was strolling by and slowed down to see if the two cats that owned the place were there. They were! Kitties! I hurried over and crouched down to pet them and love them. I was enjoying their company, and as I finished and told them to be good kitties, I turned around to see a young couple smiling through their masks, patiently waiting for their turn to pet the kitties. Because kitties! I lost my best pal in the whole wide world a few years ago, and I am still a bit heartbroken. He was my sweet, sweet pally boy. He lived to be 17 and a half. He was the best boy. He was a smart, handsome, fun, silly little nut-nut, and I loved him dearly. I still do. I need to adopt one very soon. I just love cats. 
They seduce you. You work for them. They charm you. They make you laugh. I used to get on the floor with my kitty and we would bunt and I would pet and play with him. And it usually took me between 15-30 minutes to realize that he had grown tired of me and went back up to his perch waiting for me to realize that he was looking down at me. Hey, stupid, I'm up here. I still loved it. I loved when he talked to me. When I would come home at night after being somewhere and hubby left the door open for me as I walked up the stairs, I would hear him meowing at me and he would pace back and forth on our floor as I approached and he had plenty to say all the time. And he was a smart bugger. I really loved it when he would snake his tail between my two fingers slowly as he walked away. That's a good boy. My pal, Catrol. My strong concern is that from personal observation in my neighborhood, Chelsea, I have seen people on weekend afternoons after brunch and being, let's say, a wee bit tipsy, step into pet adoption vans and become enamored and or mingle outside of a puppy retailer and be smitten with an adorable puppy or kitten. I am concerned because they think they might be swept up in emotion or the desire to be viewed favorably among their companions, and then they go and adopt a puppy or a kitten on the spur of the moment, and they have not considered what it requires of one to take on the responsibility, expense, and adaptation to caring for and hopefully loving a furry friend. I worry that they wake up and realize they aren't capable of the task and do not responsibly take care of the furry baby. I want them all to be loved and cared for. It bothers me to see inebriated people make snap decisions that have big impacts and they might have become derelict in their duties as pet owners, or worse. It's a fairly good marker of people's humanity to see how humanely they treat kitties and pup pups. I love when people show me pictures of their pets. I know they love them. And just about every other person I ever met who had a dog or cat who lived to a ripe old age brings that up and we all congratulate each other for being good parents and good humans to their babies. It is heartbreaking to lose them, but it does show a depth of concern, care, love, empathy, and humanity that makes you admire and respect others for their compassion and connection to the animal kingdom. At least I would like to think so. And this doesn't take into consideration bird ownership, especially parrots and other long-living birds where you make a lifelong commitment to the health and well-being of your feathered friend. Many long-lived bird owners need to make provisions in their wills for the care and expense of their beloved, very intelligent birdies. As far as the LGBTQI community goes... from The Advocate in December of 2007. So this is 13 years ago. Seven out of 10 LGBT adults own pets compared with 63% of heterosexual adults, according to a new poll by Harris Interactive. The same poll shows that 90% of gay pet owners say their pet is a member of their family and two-thirds have bought their pets presents for the holidays, according to a press release. The November poll in 2007, in conjunction with Tech Combs, surveyed 2,455 U.S. adults, of whom 158 identified as LGBT. Americans have well-deserved reputations as animal lovers and pet owners, and our latest findings underscore that GLBT Americans 
are among the most avid, Wesley Combs, president of White Tech Combs Communications, said in the statement. Moreover, the holiday season reminds us of those closest to us, including our devotion to our pets. Smart marketers will recognize that gay households truly are trendsetters in animal ownership and loving care. The poll shows that LGBT pet owners are slightly more likely than heterosexual pet owners to have cats. 63% of LGBT respondents owned a cat compared with 52% of heterosexuals. However, the inverse was found with dogs. 71% of straight pet owners said they owned a dog compared with 63% of LGBT pet owners. From veterinarypracticenews.com why LGBT-friendly is business-friendly and good karma, too. There are many reasons why all veterinary enterprises should strive to make LGBTQ clientele feel like they're part of the family. This is from March 22nd of 2019. Five reasons. One, LGBT community compromises a huge segment of the pet health-consuming market. How big? Hard to say. But more than average? We suspect so. Some studies show pet ownership is higher in LGBTQ households by as much as 10% over all households. A 2018 survey of LGBTQ women confirmed this and added women in this group seem to own more cats than any other demographic. Or maybe queer cat ladies just like surveys. In any case, ignoring the segment makes no sense, especially since it seems two LGBTQ clients spend more. According to Nielsen 2015 Consumer Report on LGBT demographics, this segment makes 10% more shopping trips and spends more overall than the average consumer. Good to know. Then there's this zinger. LGBTQ clients are more devoted. If you're actively trying to attract clients who perceive their pets as part of the family, you'll want to make a special push for the LGBTQ crowd because LGBTQ families tend to be short on human kids relative to their straight brethren, pets often achieve higher status in the family hierarchy. Add to that the total population and consumer spending data and you'll have identified a segment of the population you can't afford to ignore. 4. LGBTQ is you. Well, probably. It seems statistically unlikely that you or one of your employees wouldn't identify as one of the acronym's components. And given the apparent, but as yet statistically uncorroborated, attraction of this profession to gay women in particular, it becomes even more likely that you count at least one LGBTQ individual among your own. And the last one, number five, if appealing to LGBTQ means repelling haters, what are you waiting for? Haters gonna hate, right? Well, they can go off and do it somewhere else. I don't need that kind of clientele. In fact, if I could find other ways to win without those people, I'd do it. And we loved our kitty's vet. She was fantastic. She came and did house calls, and she was the most loving, kind vet we ever met. Now, from www.iii.org, pet insurance. The pet insurance industry got its start almost a century ago in Sweden, where about half of that country's pets are now insured. In North America, Veterinary Pet Insurance Co., a subsidiary of Nationwide, sold its first pet insurance policy in 1982 to cover the dog playing Lassie on television. 
The North American Pet Health Insurance Association reported that the pet health insurance sector for the U.S. and Canada posted a combined gross written premium of $1.42 billion in 2018, up from $1.15 billion in 2017. The total number of pets insured reached 2.43 million at year-end 2018, up by over 17% from 2017. Dogs represented approximately 88.9% of in-force gross written premium in 2018. According to the association, there are 12 major pet insurance companies in North America. Sixty-seven percent of the U.S. households, or about 85 million families, own a pet, according to the 2019-2020 National Pet Owners Survey conducted by the American Pet Products Association. This is up from 56 percent of U.S. households in 1988, the first year the survey was conducted. The number of households that own a pet by type in the U.S. in millions, 5.7 million households own a bird, 42.7 million own cats, 63.4 million own dogs, 1.6 million own horses, 11.5 million own freshwater fish, 1.6 million own saltwater fish, 4.5 million own a reptile, and 5.4 million households own a small animal. By the type of animal, 139.3 million freshwater fish, 94.2 million cats, 89.7 million dogs, 20.3 million birds, 18.8 million saltwater fish, 14 million small animals, 9.4 million reptiles, and 7.6 million horses are owned as pets. Now, Pet industry expenditures in 2010 were $48.35 billion. In 2019, it was $75.38 billion. The estimate for 2020 is $99 billion. The breakdown is pet food and treats, $36.9 billion. Supplies, live animals, and over-the-counter medicine, $19.2 billion. Vet care and product sales, $29.3 billion. Other services, $10.3 billion. Other services include boarding, grooming, insurance, training, pet sitting, walking, and all services outside of veterinary care. From Statista, According to a pet owner survey, there were approximately 89.7 million dogs owned in the United States in 2017. This is an increase of over 20 million since the beginning of the survey period in 2000, when around 68 million dogs were owned in the United States. The resident population of the United States has also increased significantly within this time period. It is therefore no surprise that the number of dogs owned in the U.S. households has also increased, especially when considering that household penetration rate for dog ownership reached almost 50% in recent years. The large number of dogs owned by Americans creates a lucrative market for pet food brands and retailers. Pedigree, the leading dry dog food 
name brand in the U.S. had sales amounting to around $550 million in 2017. Pedigree also led the pack and the wet dog food category with sales of around $240 million in the same year. Whilst the number of households owning cats and pets in general has remained relatively consistent over the last few years, pet industry expenditure has steadily grown. When it comes to shopping locations, most consumers still purchase their pet products in physical retail stores. However, the number of consumers buying pet products online is on the rise, and dried cat food was the number one pet product bought online by cat owners in the United States in 2018. Americans love their pets. Again, freshwater fish were the most commonly owned pet in terms of volume in 2017, followed by cats, dogs, and birds. Pet ownership is, however, not evenly distributed between age groups. Americans aged between 18 and 29 were the most likely to own a pet. So, strange dudes hunting snakes and illegal rare animals aside, we are adopting more and more pets every year. We spend more and more on them. They add to the quality of our lives and we embrace them as family members. We love them and we should. Thanks for listening. See you next time. And as the kitties say, peace out.